This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Joining you tonight, it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. We start things out by going right to your phone calls. That is what the show is all about. Start things by talking to Brian in New Hampshire. He is here, hopefully, to update us on his situation, just to bring folks up to speed, uh, especially since we have new weeknight listeners down there in Charlottesville, Virginia, on WCHV. Uh, it was now at least two, if not three weeks ago, uh, that the state of New Hampshire, the government came to your property, Brian, on a Monday morning, and they they essentially raided you and stole a dozen of your horses, making allegations about how you were mistreating them. And they, of course, as we when we took a close look at the situation, we discovered that, as usual, these government guys are not even bothering to try to follow their own rules. They did not send you any kind of warnings to suggest that, hey, we're thinking about taking your horses because of these allegations. They just showed up with a bunch of cops and a bunch of volunteers and raided your property and stole your horses with no allegations. Well, I mean, they, they'd made some allegations, but there was nothing really too official. You could barely get any information out of these people. It was the, you should get a piece of paper, at the very least. It, well, he did get a piece of paper. It was I'd the like warrant. But it turns out that most of the warrant wasn't even uh, complete, and it's like half the warrant's been locked down. What's the word for it, Brian? Oh. Are they, they, uh, it's uh, sealed. Sealed, that's right. They sealed the uh, the rest of the warrant. They sealed a handful of other things as well. And was I, I, it's been, I think, at least a week since we've talked to you. So I don't know what has developed uh, in that time. So uh, th- first of all, did I recap appropriately? Oh, yeah. You did a great job. It was a week ago yesterday. I mean, we didn't even talk about the, some of the scummier things about how when they showed up uh, they at, at your house, they had, license, uh, they had tape over their license plates, these volunteers. So they were illegally driving around, and the cops didn't care. They didn't do anything about it. You got video footage of it. It's available on YouTube. Uh, I don't know what the quickest way to get there. Probably what the quickest way to get to your video be. If you type uh, SPCA arrest in YouTube, you'll see... Uh, You'll see this one and then the event back in November where they arrested uh, my son Cooper for videotaping a cop uh, next to this uh, SPCA guy that kind of led up to this whole thing, I believe. And as we found out, this is an unusual, this is not an unusual case in that there have been many other horse owners who've been essentially terrorized by these SPCA people coming in there trying to tell them exactly how they need to take care of their animals. And a lot of these people's cases, there was no abuse going on. There was no starvation going on. Uh, You guys had moved across the country from Colorado, and that can be a bit of a stressful situation. As a result, there might have been a a handful of horses that weren't eating as much as they perhaps would have uh, normally had they still been in their old home in Colorado. And it's not for lack of food. Y'all had plenty of food there. It's just that, you know, I, I guess they just weren't fat enough for the state or something like that. I mean, have you ever even found out what they had to say? Everything is sealed. I uh, I talked to the uh, sergeant here, and he says, oh, well, you know, we can we can give you six horses, uh, you know, once you can show uh, appropriate shelter. Okay, well, what about the other six? Well, we can't, we can't, you know, I can't tell you anything about that yet. I, I, you know, where are they? Well, they're being taken care of. And I, I had to ask him, are they still alive? I mean, because mm-hmm. this organization has a, a habit of euthanizing horses that they think are not, uh, oh, no. uh, are, are, are not fit. Who knows what their criteria are? They don't want, uh, 
uh, horses to take care of. They want horses to adopt to people paying money to the SPCA. This is a scam. That's all it's mm. about. And, and, and the, the farther I go down the rabbit hole on this thing, uh, the farther uh, it, it, it just stinks. I mean, I, I used to support the SPCA. I mean, what could be better? You know, we don't want any cruelty to animals. This sure. is not about cruelty to animals. It's about generating revenue for this organization that is just so corrupt that, that I, 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 I can't have words that are safe for the FCC right now. Now, they, the, one of the reasons why you were targeted, we have to go back a little bit, back to I think it was November, when this SPCA bureaucrat showed up at your house. Well, you weren't home. Your son Cooper was. And Cooper would not allow this bureaucrat onto your property. He was making demands about how he has to inspect the property. And Cooper basically said, well, my dad's not here, and you know, I'm not authorized to allow you on here, so come back another time. Uh, they brought a cop out. The cop tried to you know, make the same assertions. Cooper refused to let him on, and Cooper was also videotaping the entire thing. When the cop decided he no longer wished to be videotaped, which he can't do, uh, Cooper's on his, his own property. He certainly has the right to videotape other people on, that, that are on the outside or on his property. But the cop didn't care about that, so he went and arrested your son and then hauled him down to the station and let him go after lecturing him. Uh, but that's one of the reasons why they're targeting you, because you and your family were willing to stand up for your freedom. You were willing to stand up and defend your property rights. And these guys are used to people just rolling over for them. They're used to people just uh, you know, capitulating and allowing them to do whatever it is that they demand. And so they didn't take too kindly to that, which is why all of a sudden, out of, you know, out of nowhere, two or three months later, they show up and they steal your horses from you. And as you say, they're trying to, uh, trying to essentially sell those horses? Well, yeah, they have to get meat in order to adopt. This is the adoption season. And uh, let me tell you, Ian, I, 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 you know, I, I'm a computer guy, right? I'm a city guy. I'm, I'm here in the country, and, and uh, you know, Heidi really loves the horses, and, you know, I'm kind of part of that. But, but I, I've, I, I never really realized what, uh, what it is that I'm a part of. I've gotten so many calls, just people calling on the home phone. It doesn't have any voicemail. It barely even rings most of the time. I get people calling me from all over the state, all over the country, saying, they did this to me, too. Uh, you know, they, they, the SPCA took it, and it seems that it's always around this time of year. It's huh. the spring. You know, people don't adopt horses in the fall because, you know, it's expensive. Hay is expensive. They don't want to take care of them all winter. They can't ride them. Hmm. They adopt them in the spring. And I found out that the investigator, this guy who uh, 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 was uh, uh, telling us who got Cooper arrested, his salary comes out of the adoption budget of the SPCA. Good it Lord. comes so out of the adoption budget. What is that? Adopt, he doesn't get paid. Wow. Okay. So people pay a certain amount. He doesn't to get adopt. a commission on it, right? He doesn't get a commission for how many horses are adopted. Don't please don't say that. Uh, I, I don't think he gets a commission, but his salary is paid out of the adoption fund. So the if they don't adopt horses out to people, or, or, or dogs, or cats, or, or anything else that they can sell, he yeah. doesn't make money. Well, there's no money to pay his salary. I, I, let's put it that way. Yeah, it comes. Wow. You know, that's it, you know, that's just sort of the wing of the uh, you know the the breakout. Uh, you know, the the way their little tree works. He's under the uh, he's under the adoption budget, and yeah, you know, it's pretty the, clear that's what you know, he's involved in. Yeah, the, the cruelty budget or the enforcement budget, whatever. You know, his, his money comes out of the adoption budget. What does it cost and to adopt a horse? What does it cost to adopt a horse as compared to a, a dog? 
I have no idea. You think I'm going to call the SPCA and say I want to adopt a horse? Yeah, I, I don't know, but I, I imagine it would be more than a dog. I mean, it costs you four or five hundred bucks to get a dog. I mean, yeah. you got to get really? the shots, you got to get them neutered. I mean, you mm. go down to adopt a free pet, and it's like this donation, right? They don't say you have to have it, but you ain't walking out of there until you pay a couple hundred bucks for this pet. So it's a lot easier to go and just steal somebody's dozen horses and adopt those out at you know I don't know five hundred or a grand a piece or something like that and make your budget as opposed to adopting out. 50 dogs. Well, they probably found that they uh, they can operate more profitably as a pet store that uh, people can donate to um, rather than, you know, because obviously regular pet stores, they don't get donations. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, regular uh, not-for-profits that don't have anything for people to get, anything for them to walk away with, well, they don't make as much money either. Here they have a living, breathing item that people want and... Plus, they you know they have this good feeling about it, so and they have the ability to just come and walk in on your property and it's, steal it's it with nice. police yeah. uh, a police approval and assistance. So, what yeah, else have you it, learned it, uh, it, recently, Brian? It, it, yes, it, it's even worse. It's even worse than that because yes, uh, this is a pet store where they get their. Uh, where they steal their inventory. Wouldn't you love to have a store where you didn't have to pay for your inventory and you could get top dollar? And not only that, how many pet stores do you know can send out a press release after a front-page news article to get people just to send money for nothing? That's exactly what the SPCA did. This case was so egregious, it was on the front page of the local paper, the, the Manchester paper, the, one of the biggest in the, in the state, yeah. for two days, front-page news. And so the SPCA, instead of saying, oh, we're ashamed of taking these uh, healthy animals, instead they said, oh, this is the largest you know, seizure we've had in modern history, you know, modern uh, memory. Uh, send us money to take care of these poor animals. Wow. Now, is it, are you expecting them to bill you? Let's say that they give you, said the cop was, and I've got more questions, so hang on. We're going to bring Brian Travis back here as one of the activists that moved to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project, had his horses stolen uh, from him. <sighs> We're going, to get, we're going to return to this in a moment, and take your calls as well at 800-259-9231. It's just so frustrating to think about this and, and the fact that these guys get away with this stuff. What do you do about this? You beg, you plead, you entreat, and hopefully get your horses back? It's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, you dial in and bring up whatever you want, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. The features including, by the way, archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, just click and download. They're yours right there on the front page. Going back for an entire year on us at freetalklive.com. Dot com And if you want a, the best chance at liberty in your lifetime, you should take a close look at the Free State Project. We're talking with Brian Travis right now. He is a free stater. He's somebody who moved, picked up his life, moved here to New Hampshire, uh, brought his family, brought uh, dozens, uh, almost uh, two dozen rather, uh, horses with him. And then found himself attacked by the state government people because, well, his family was willing to stand up for themselves and stand up for their freedoms which is kind of a message that the state would like to send. The, the state would like to send the message that if you mess with us, if you mess with our little system, with our little scam, our little monopoly on violence, if you threaten the system that we've set up, then we will come after you and your loved ones, and we will do, do our best to destroy your life and to uh, ruin whatever level of happiness you were enjoying. 
And that's what they've done to our friend Brian Travis. But if you want to learn more about Free State Pro- uh, the Free State Project, head over to freestateproject.org because what's different now, and Brian's story is not unusual in that the SPCA across the country has been involved in stealing people's animals from them and apparently just adopting them out and funding their budget with stolen animals, as we're finding out. Uh, because uh, what's different here is that there are activists who are backing him up. As Brian pointed out, he's been getting phone calls of uh, of support. Uh, of course, the activists are always ready to do what it takes to, to help out in situations like this. You guys had, uh, Brian's back, back with us here, you guys had a build day where uh, free staters and other liberty-minded people here in New Hampshire came up to your home, and they all got out with hammers and wood and whatever else they needed to do, and they they got out there and they repaired some of the damage that had uh, that had happened to, I guess, the horse shelters you had built on your your property. There was an ice, a horrible ice storm late December, and that I guess did some damage. So this tremendous community of activist support is behind you. Whereas if the same thing had happened in the place where you lived before, it would have been very difficult. Uh, it was I would say it would be much more difficult to to face down a situation like this. And you are facing it down, Brian. You're not. You know, you're not backing down from these people. Uh, I mean, you'd like to get your horses back, and, and to that end, you're you're trying to do whatever you possibly can uh, in order to do that, whether that's working inside the system or whatever. And what is the status on that? You'd mentioned that there were six horses that they kind of were holding over your head like a carrot and saying, well, we'll let you have these back, but you have to put the, the shelter up. And the shelters were up, so you you went out and you, you repaired these shelters. Um, am I missing anything? So many comments I had during, during you know, I was thinking of as you were going through that. One, one thing that, that is significant here that hit me again and again as I talked to people who just called me out of the blue from all over the country, mostly in, in New Hampshire because they read the, the news articles, is that these people are, I don't want to say poor, but they certainly can't afford a legal defense for anything. I mean, these people have horses, they live on the farms, you know, they just live by themselves, maybe they have a couple acres, you know, near the town. Mm-hmm. And... It seems that these are the people that the SPCA and these bureaucrats prey on because they know they can get the meat. They know they can, they can, they can do that. Well, uh, the, the uh, horses. Uh, when you say the meat, it sounds like they're running a slaughterhouse. <laughs> <laughs> they're looking for horses. Hey, so uh, they take a horse from me. How do I know whether they slaughter it or, or, or give it away for adoption? Of course, they're going to give it away for adoption. But, yeah, it's, it's all about the meat. Um, and, and so... <laughs> It, it, it's like they, they read about something, they hear about something, you know, this, this uh, woman doesn't have enough, uh, you know, money to pay for her horses, or, you know, this guy over here has a bunch of dogs and, you know, he's having trouble with economic times or whatever. Well, there was a rescue that was out here because Heidi was having a little, uh, you know, trouble getting feed, and, and she and I keep our finances separate, and, you know, that's her thing, and I've got my things. Mm-hmm. Well, they, they they caught wind of this thing, and I'm sure that's where it started. Oh, look at this thing. We got some racehorses here, and we got somebody who doesn't have enough money to defend herself. And and, and I, it just seems, you know, I don't have any any evidence I can put my fingers on, but it just seems I've, I've seen that kind of thing again and again. Well, they didn't know that we've got the backing here. We've got the you know the people back here. Uh, we set up a chip-in fund uh, right away, and we got fifteen hundred dollars just in a couple of days. That's pretty good, just from people who are who are chipping in because they want to help out this situation. So, uh, so you mentioned that uh, you know it was her money and that she was financing this, and y'all were actually having trouble with with finances so there so is it so there's truth to the allegation that uh, perhaps there wasn't as much food as as could have been at one point well no no the, the, the difference is she likes to feed her horses uh, a free hay which means uh big round barrel uh, big round bales in the um 
you know, in the horse area where they can just eat 24-7. I've seen those. Uh, yeah, big round barrels, and, and we've got a big you know, tractor that loads of stuff in there. But, you know, the, those are kind of hard to find here in the winter, especially after the ice storm. And so uh, uh, she had to go to the smaller bales, the 70-pound bales, which the, the horses ate just as much, but it was more work to, act, you know, get out there three times a day and, you know, give the hay to these horses. So it wasn't a matter that the horses were fed or not fed. It was, it was the matter of, you know, how much uh, human energy it takes to get the, all this stuff done, plus all the other stuff that you have to do during the day. So how did that come into play? I don't understand. Uh, it's a matter of the human energy. I didn't. But I mean, what what are we talking about here? I mean, so there wasn't a big pile of hay. I I, I thought I saw a big pile of hay actually. Well, yeah, there, there were big piles of hay, but there was about a I don't know a three or four week period when we couldn't get the round bales, and so we had to get the, the smaller square bales, which you can get. They're a lot more expensive. So it looked and like. Feed them I'm sorry. So it looked like to somebody who would see, um, one, who would expecting to see a big round bale because that's the way she normally um, puts it. That suddenly there was no food because you were throwing out these little. Um, you were tossing out the 70 pound bales. Well, okay. This gets back to the affidavit which was attached to the search warrant, which gives probable cause for the judge to say there's a search warrant. Uh, you know, uh, that's that's valid. The affidavit uh, that you couldn't read. Somebody. <laughs> Somebody came by and said, well, those babies in the front there, of course, it's right by the road. That was our mistake. Those babies in the front don't have any food. Well, they don't have any food right now this minute because they just ate their breakfast and they're waiting for lunch. I so, see. You know, yeah. I mean, it's all about the perception. It's not about the horses being unhealthy. It's all right. about the, and, the, the Yeah, the, and it's not about helping you either. Dogs. It's not about doing anything to uh, to try to be of any assistance. I mean, the, the SPCA didn't come and knock on your door, and they didn't say, hey, Brian, we've heard that there are people that are concerned about your horses. We want to just make sure if there's – is there anything we can do to, to help you out here because, you know, we're, we're wondering if they're okay. Are you able to get the food that you need to? Can we provide you with, you know, the vendors? that you need to know about to, to get the stuff you're looking for. There was never any offer of assistance. There was never any offer of, you know, hey, how can we help you resolve this problem so you can keep your horses? It was just all of a sudden, one morning, there they are, stealing your horses from you. Yes, a dozen armed men stealing horses. Yep, we and, call and those that, that's wrestlers. It, that's pretty much where it started. What's the uh, chip-in fund, Brian? Where, where can people go to help you out with uh, this? C, uh, CWF, it's Castlewood Farm, so it's CWF.chipin.com. Well, uh, keep us in the loop and let us know what continues to develop here, because as you said, most of the documents are still sealed. Nobody from the SPCA is really even talking to the media, and you still have not gotten any, zero. Uh, You've gotten zero of your 12 horses back at this point. Actually, there's there's a little bit more information. Oh, is there? Okay, well, we'll hold you over for that. Hang on, 800-259-9231. More with Brian Travis, uh, 800-259-9231. And this could happen to you, even if you aren't a horse owner... They could take whatever animals you have if they decide to target you for whatever reason. And as he was pointing out, if you're poor enough, that's a good enough reason because they know you can't fight it. Free Talk Live. Government officials like to think they know better than the rest of us. They tell us what we can buy and when we can buy it. Everything from guns and booze to cold medicine and cigarettes. Now they've gone even farther. Cities across the country are now trying to tax and ban bottled water. That's right. Simple, no alcohol, no caffeine, no calorie bottled water. They say it's wasteful and buying it is, quote, stupid. But who are they to decide? If politicians decide you shouldn't even be able to buy bottled water, what's next? Visit us at enjoybottledwater.org and sign the petition to keep the nanny state out of our water bottles. (laughs) 
This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want if you dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL-CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. Features we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Features including the bulletin board system. Got over 450,000 posts. A lot to talk about. Serious issues to fun stuff. You'll find it all free at freetalklive.com, and you can go straight to the BBS by going to bbs.freetalklive.com. And you can also find the Adult Friend Finder banner at the freetalklive.com website. It's the world's largest adult social networking site, and Sex Personals, over 19 million members. Let them help you find that sexy someone to hook up with tonight. Adult Friend Finder, see their banner at freetalklive.com. We go back to Brian Travis. He is in New Hampshire. He had his home raided by the police a few weeks ago. They stole a dozen horses, and it's just an absolute outrage. Uh, but the activists are doing whatever they can to uh, to back you up, and you're not going to just uh, take this sitting down. You're you're willing to make a stand and, and fight for your horses. So uh, you had more information you wanted to share, Brian. I wanted to make sure you got a chance. Go ahead. Yeah, the, the last point I wanted to make is that uh, we were looking at the statutes, and it's the it, it, it's not the SPCA. The SPCA doesn't have any authority to bring a search warrant. It's the town, my little town of Candia. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who have to get the evidence that there was a crime committed, fill out an affidavit, go to the uh, judge with this affidavit and a, and a uh, application for search warrant. I'm learning way more about search warrants than I want to right now. Mm. And the judge then says whether or not there is probable cause, which is in the, their constitution. Um, well, uh, uh, they, uh, they they apparently did this, even though the uh, the affidavit is sealed. Uh, we don't know uh, who it is who complained about it. We haven't been able to face our accuser. Everything is sealed. Um, but we were also looking through the statutes, and, and we found out that the, the our little town, if there are no charges filed, that is, if they go in and, and do this thing according to whatever the rules are that they can seize horses, if they don't charge in, if they don't file any charges, then the town is responsible for uh, the care of the horses while they have they have them in their uh, in their possession. So that means that you will not. And that actually was my, the question I was going to ask, but I spaced on it. Uh, so that means that you probably will not receive a bill for taking care of the horses uh, while they had them. Uh, no, what that means is that there will certainly be charges filed, no matter what what they find out. Because if they don't if they don't file any charges, they're responsible for the bill. They're going to bring us our horses back and say, "See you later," and they'll have to pay for all these uh, all these you know charges with the, you know, the vets and whatever else they've done, these tests they've done for their diseases and their health certificates and whatever else they want. So, so you so uh, you you believe they're going to charge you, and then they can hit you with the bill is basically what's yes, going to happen. Yes. Well, once once they they uh, they, they they charge Heidi with uh, you know any kind of of you know one of their rules. Then they're off the hook for the charges. Well, then that that and means so it's going to happen. Have any incentive not to file charges, even though they're right. way in the wrong. Now, so yeah, so that that means the charges are going to be filed because they have to have some reason to uh, charge you for the. They don't want to pay for the bill. But wait, what if there's no conviction? I'm not sure about that. Uh, they, they, they're, they'll, they'll do this plea bargaining thing or whatever, probably at some point. And you know, I I, I can't discuss the. Uh, uh, you know, legal uh, strategies right now, but who knows what's going to happen when they when they do that? But, and somehow but I, I, I doubt would not that. Be surprised if the charges uh, it don't get filed within the next day or so. Some somehow I doubt that uh, come the next property tax bill, they're gonna you're gonna be allowed to just say, okay, you charged us three thousand dollars to take care of this. <laughs> Let's take that off the property taxes because I mean you've already paid these people. They, they're using your money to go after you and feed oh, the horses. It's not only that. 
is they, they've used, like I said earlier, they, they've used the, uh, you know, the, the front page story about this. The SPCA has used that. They put out a press release saying, oh, please send us money to take care of these poor horses. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure the SPCA has gotten a boatload of money for this because these horse people are, are wacky. Wow. All right, Brian, anything else on your mind tonight? Uh, well, uh, that, that's probably about it. Uh, well, I'll keep you posted as things happen. Thanks for the update, and I, I thank you for the call, and, and keep up the good work out there. You are a courageous guy, and, and thanks for standing up on this. 800-259-9231. Let's talk to Dan in Indianapolis. You're on Free Talk Live. Dan. Hello. How you doing? Hey, you're on the air. This is Dan in Evansville, Indiana, oh, Evansville. not in Indianapolis, but that's okay. <laughs> What's on your mind, Dan? Um, that's all right. I, um, I, when I did, uh, dialed in the number, I... I didn't know about the um, really about the topic that you guys had been talking about at the time, uh, Mr. Travis's horses being stolen, which is a travesty. Uh, I, I had originally wanted to talk to you regarding the uh, travesty. Is that a joke? Is that a pun? <laughs> is no, his last no, name I didn't is think about Travis. that. No, no, <laughs> I hadn't given that any thought, but no, I wasn't trying to be funny. Okay. Um, I, I thought that was just horrible and stuff. What they what they had done to him. But what I originally wanted to talk to you about was the. Uh, uh, the Schenectady, New York. I can't even say the name of that stupid town. The martial law story where yeah, yeah, New what, York what, is looking yeah. at de- declaring martial law. We had a caller last night say it had actually happened. We took a look at the news, and it apparently had not yet happened, though he was yeah. claiming that he heard it from the uh, National Guardsman. Of course, it was it was hearsay. Uh, but yeah, the yeah, truth is they are looking at a, a martial law situation in Schenectady. Yeah, kind of like uh, shooting rabbits with an elephant gun, ain't it? But, but, but I mean, that's neither here nor there. I wanted to talk about the... The idea that I had come up with as I was dialing uh, your number on the phone here, and what I what I thought about is uh, uh, a pet store. Uh, as a as a protest, a uh, uh, SPCA stolen pets uh, um, store, stolen pet store. <laughs> How would you? Uh, what, you mean like some sort of street theater or? Yeah, street theater. They could just basically have a bunch of little beanie babies and stuff on top of a table uh, with with uh, written handouts of of you know the whole story. Uh, where yeah, would you where would you do something like that out in front of their offices in some more public location? Oh, I definitely want to go with uh, something public, Railroad Square, if it was in Keene or uh, you know anywhere where they let you. Well, I think the more street theater, uh, the better. Wherever it ends up, uh, wherever it ends up happening, people like a good show. Yeah, a creative kind of uh, activism like that is, I think, pretty cool. Thank you, Dan, for the idea and the call tonight. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. There's been a little bit of that that's happened up here, but street theater. Really isn't a, something that, that occurs very often in the activist realm, at least not in ours. Well, Dave did the uh, the, the Muppet or the, uh, the puppet show, the marionette show. Yep, that's true. And there were a couple a couple folks that dressed up like Nazi guards uh, during the Real ID protests, which was pretty cool. Lauren and her husband. So eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That is the SACL CAI toll free line. As always, you can bring up absolutely anything. We go uh, to the national scene where Time Magazine has been pushing the idea of national slavery pretty heavily over the past few years. And now they have gone so far as to actually have a propaganda piece written by, or at least allegedly written by, Barack Obama himself. It's called uh, A New Era of Service Across America. And so I figured, we'll, you know, we'll share what the old Prez has to say here about national service now. I'm dying to hear it. Now, in case you don't know what national service is, well, it's basically slavery with a new, it's, neat new label on it. It's conscription, if yeah. you want to try to keep it academic, which is 
slavery. slavery. It's forced servitude. Right. Conscription sounds nice, uh, but in fact... Well, not really. Conscription is <laughs> kind of a dirty word uh, to I, most people. <laughs> I, I think it beats slave. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Either, whatever you want to call it, it, it is involuntary servitude. So here's what he has to say, again, from a recent issue of Time magazine. says, I started my career more than two decades ago as a community organizer on the south side of Chicago, working with churches to help neighborhoods that have been devastated by plant closings. Block by block, we fought to create job training programs, improve housing conditions, and help people live their lives with some measure of dignity. Eventually, I realized that I wasn't just helping other people. Through service, I also found a community that embraced me, a church to belong to in the direction I'd been seeking. Through service, I found that my own story fit into a larger American story. Sounds great so far, right? Helping people out, working with the community, helping people that are in need get the things that they're looking for. Who could disagree with that? I I can't think of anyone. Right. And this is uh, what you're going to see here is you're going to see them consistently conflating helping people and volunteerism with working for the government, which is what national service actually is. He continues... He says it's an experience that Americans of all ages and backgrounds have every day on battlefields and in classrooms. Battlefields? Are you serving anybody? Oh, I see. That That's called military service. So even though you're not really serving, like, poor people or helping anybody, that's that's considered you're service? You're serving the state. I think that is, I think <laughs> yeah. there he's reverting to the true meaning of the service. Right. We're, we're in the second paragraph, and he's reverted to the true serving meaning of service. Serving up bullets to the camel jockeys. Yeah. Uh, 1-800-259-9231. We continue this, and your calls as well about whatever's on your mind. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You dial in toll-free and bring up anything. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free. Now, if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can become an amplifier for as little as 3 bucks a month. We take that money in, reinvest it into the show, and get on as many radio stations as we possibly can. Get on uh, more MP3 players around the world and help put the message of freedom into more ears across the planet. So if that's valuable to you, you can help us out over at amp.freetalklive.com. Again, amp.freetalklive.com. Now, of course, the Free Talk Live AMP program is a completely voluntary option, unlike the coming National Service program is going to be for all young people in America, as we've touched on recently, and as Barack Obama will mention here in his his propaganda piece in Time magazine, there are a couple of different pieces of legislation that are being considered right now to bring this national service program uh, into existence. And right now he's uh, he's talking about how he was a volunteer in the south side of Chicago, and then he immediately segues into conflating volunteerism with uh, with working for the state, as he says that Americans. You know, I was <laughs> before yes. you go on. I'm just thinking about like. Okay, um, is Time Magazine uh, unbiased here? If your magazine has the opportunity to have an article written by the President of the United States of America... Shouldn't there be a counterpoint? Right. Point, I mean, I've, 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 first off, I mean, can anything you say be considered uh, unbiased on this subject? I mean, you know, he's he's now a contributing author. Secondly, yep. um, you know, how important is this to Barack Obama and you know the, his cronies pretty if, important right if he's willing to you know he's the pitch get, man get one of his uh, speechwriters to write an article for him and he slaps yeah. his name on it and he's willing to stoop as low as you know being an article writer i mean this is it's all very 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 odd well i don't see anything wrong with the idea of uh, somebody who might be a uh, president 
using the media to uh, convey. I his have message. a problem with a president com- writing a column in a in anything. I, I but think they have I'm, they have the weekly radio address. Why is that? They're uh, using. You have a problem with that too? It it's sort of they're using their they're addressing the public as the holder of their office when they're giving their radio address. They're addressing people as the president. Mm-hmm. And when they're addressing someone in a, what's ostensibly a, a private magazine, and it doesn't say by President Barack Obama, it says by Barack Obama. Hmm. Yeah, it 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 just, I think it blurs the line. Like he's taking his own personal agenda. I mean, obviously, he has a presidential agenda, but he's going so far as to promote himself in the press. It, that just bothers me. Well, I can't say that if Harry Brown had gotten elected in the year 2000 and had, uh, you know, written some articles as, as Harry Brown, that it would have bothered me one iota. So I, I guess I can defend the guy on, on that point. Well, I think that people need to be able to identify propaganda when they see it. I, I don't have a, you know, I'm, I'm just talking about how, how interesting is it when we, you don't have, you know, unbiasedness and how much they must want this if oh, yeah. he's willing to uh, debase himself in that, in that manner. And, um, you know, like I like the idea of Barack Obama using persuasion to get people to accept things. However, that's not how it's going to work. That's not what's going to happen here. What's going to happen is, is somebody, you know, they're 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 smoothing out the road a little yeah. bit so that they can, you know, pass this law that will then use not persuasion but force in order to extract money from people for this program at the very least, and if not force in order to conscribe people for this program to make people give up two two years of their lives in order to be in some government make work prison. I don't or care whatever if it's it only three months. Have. It may only be three months, but it doesn't matter. It's still taking people out of their lives and forcing them to work for a government bureaucracy, which could have all kinds of uh, negative effects, not the least of which would be to acclimate people to working for government and essentially pitch them on a, a career with the state instead of something in the private world, which would create a, you know, a product or service that the marketplace might actually be demanding. State jobs don't create those things. Uh, state jobs are relatively, um, for the most part, make work jobs. There are some state workers that actually do work, like road crews and things like that. Uh, but let me continue with what uh, Obama says here. He points out that last year, 62 million Americans gave 8 billion hours of service. Once again, returning to volunteerism as the idea of what he means when he says service. Back in January, he's joined with Colin Powell to ask Americans to give back on Martin Luther King Day. And the result was the largest ever turnout for that day of service, which, again, that's great. Voluntary. People can you know, choose to help out. I think that's great. For decades, leaders from both parties have sought to promote the ethic of service. Richard Nixon expanded opportunities for senior citizens to serve. Bush, George Bush called for uh, volunteers to serve as points of light in their communities. Bill Clinton established the Corporation for National and Community Service. And on September 11th, in the midst of a spirited general election campaign, John McCain and I put aside our differences, like there are any real differences between them, and came together in New York City to issue a joint call to public service. It was an important reminder that while our politics is often focused on what divides us, there's much more that unites us. All very flowery sounding, all very, you know, great. We're coming together. We're just trying to help out America here. Who could who could disagree with, you know, people coming together, even if they disagree on things and, and helping out? Again, v- sounding very positive. Sounds like something that no one could disagree with. In this spirit, he says, Congress is now poised to send me bipartisan legislation. See, if both sides are in favor of it, then it must be a good idea, right? Serve America and the Give Acts that, if passed, will usher in a new era of service in this new century. The legislation will help connect people at all stages of life with opportunities to serve. 
Oh, were they having trouble before? They he has been pitching a lot the the idea that people need opportunities to serve as if they couldn't just go out and join a private charitable organization and start giving their time right now. As though there aren't enough private charitable organizations I mean, out there. You as, could... as though the, uh, the the huge campaign of advertising that the government has in order to get people to volunteer isn't enough. Mm-hmm. They must force people. That's well, really what's going. Said that they, he's not saying that. No. But what's the next step? Really, that is it? I mean, that's it's it's a huge campaign that they already have out there. I hear the radio ads all the time. The the Give Act, the one of the the one that the House was taking a look at right now, does create a commission that will look at what the requirements will be or if they should move ahead with and inevitably they're going to find out yeah we should move ahead with this uh they're, they're right. going to they're going to what they're going to find out is that the government needs to be bigger it needs to be more involved in yeah. the, in people's lives and needs to be intruding in their lives and telling them what to do so the, the the give act forms that commission and that's the first step on the road to actually having some sort of mandatory national service uh act passed and he points out that the legislation will establish Here's an interesting term: an army of 250,000 Americans. He per did year. say that he wants to, to, to see a, a civil volunteer corps or something like that. Not that they're volunteers, mind you. Um, Only volunteer big, in that they volunteer into the position. Like I'll work for you know I'll get I'll take this job. As it's big, paid. right? As big as uh, as as uh, well funded and as powerful as the American military. That, those are words he said. He says the legislation will establish an army of 250,000 Americans per year who are willing to work and serve part-time or full-time, working to meet our most pressing challenges from modernizing our schools to building homes for those in need. And this legislation will provide new support for social entrepreneurship, identifying and nurturing promising new service programs around the country. Social entrepreneurship? Yeah, what is that? As opposed to market, uh, like as opposed to real entrepreneurship? What is social entrepreneurship? Well, the idea is is that they can make uh, not for profits that uh, take government make money. money. No, that make money. Th- that's the idea. Is, is you know, it's one of these. It's one of that's these things. That's fine. This guy. I did. Uh, I called uh, you know a, a local show. Not not the not talk back. This is the other one. The the socialists. And the guy said to me, um, you know, the, the 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 socialist that runs the show, and he's a nice man, mind you. He said, "What if they could have a government program that worked as well and as efficiently as the free market?" <laughs> and I and I, really? said, and I said, well, what if I could shoot rose petals out of my butt? Because <laughs> I mean, you know, it's obviously you're never going to have that. Yeah. But you know, he doesn't understand that the government runs by force. It takes yeah. its funds from people. It doesn't have to provide service to people in order to get get their money. Whenever you're running something by force, you're you're all you're missing opportunities. You're not the you, the, the correct incentives aren't present. Right. You're at not responding most, to market signals. I at mean, its most basic level, when you look at the government versus um, some company, and I'm not saying I'm for corporations, global corporations that are taking over or anything like that. I'm just saying when you look at the difference between government and business a business has to provide someone somebody with a product or service that they want they have to to make people happy whereas the government just has to take things from people in order to you know fund itself he also goes on to point out he does a bunch of political name dropping and talks about how senators from both sides are in favor of this idea and he says, I urge Congress to follow their lead and to move quickly to pass it so I can sign it into law. And I pledge that my administration will also do its part to help more Americans 
serve their communities. At this time of economic crisis, when so many people are in need of help, this work could not be more urgent. So hurry, hurry. Uh, the, the people are, are having a tough time out there. We need to just ram this legislation through. Don't you concern yourself with what it says. <laughs> Don't concern yourself with actually reading the legislation. Just go ahead and pass it so we can move ahead with this uh, service program. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. But the, the most choice quote from this article is still to come. And we'll share that with you here in a few moments. Again, Barack Obama himself out pitching the idea of national slavery in Time magazine, of course, without using the term slavery. They're using the term service instead. But we all know what it's really about. More coming up. Hour two's on the way. You bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. You ever have one of those days where everything goes right? First, I get the best parking space at work. Tonight, I have a date with a very lovely Rachel. And today, I gave a killer presentation in Sydney. Finalized the contract in London and demoed our new product in Boston. Online, from my desk, with WebEx. WebEx lets me take meetings and give presentations from my desk. I just talk to clients on the phone, and they watch what's happening on my desktop from their desktop. So I can travel the world and still be here for my date tonight with Rachel. Travel less, meet online. Go to WebEx.com and try WebEx free. Just click the radio graphic and enter promo code 600 to get a free trial and a free webcam, too. Remember that code 600 to qualify for the free webcam. WebEx, now part of Cisco and used by more than 5.5 million people every month. Give it a try, free. Go to WebEx.com and enter the promo code 600. WebEx.com. Free webcams available while supplies last. Terms and restrictions apply. See website for details. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. We're launching here in hour number two. You can bring up whatever's on your mind toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. We are going to continue briefly this topic we started last hour, and then we'll get back, right back into your phone calls. So talking about the idea of national service, it's one that's been thrown a- around quite a bit over the last couple of years, and e- even more so since the presidential campaign, where both candidates uh, got together and patted each other on the back and talked about how there's one thing we both agree on, it's that every American should serve their government. Now, of course, that's not exactly how they put it, but in so many words, they essentially, I mean, the the main message of that September 11th, convenient date, uh, that summit that they had last year was that people that work for the state are better people. The people that work for the state are more valuable. You do things that are uh, are better, and we just like state people better. You're better. Yep. That was the that was the message. And so everyone, people work for the government, and greedy people work. For the, yeah. In the free market. And so everyone should have the chance to serve their government, which means that they're going to force people to do this, because not everybody wants to work for the state. I know I certainly don't, and I'm not alone, but they're going to pass a program, not right away, probably sometime this year, but they're going to pass a program that's going to create a new national service bureaucracy that will essentially force all young people in America to go to work for the state for X amount of months. Could be two years, could be three months. All of the details haven't been hashed out yet. There are a number of ideas that are on the table. But what they're doing right now is they're, as you were talking about before, sort of greasing the the tracks, if you will. They're they're laying down. Uh, they, you know, they're 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 lubing people up. 
for for what's coming. They're they're talking in flowery language about service, and they're conflating volunteerism with working for the state. And they just they'll switch right back and forth between the two as though they are one in the same, as though actually going and volunteering at a local soup kitchen or volunteering with the you know the Salvation Army or whatever, actually going and volunteering is somehow the same. Giving of oneself, giving of one time, one's time, one's money on a voluntary basis is going to be the same as working for the state in a paid position, part time or full time. That's what they're doing here in this, uh, and that's what Barack Obama himself is doing in a propaganda piece with his name on it, uh, as though he were the writer in Time magazine this month or this week. And here's the remainder of his uh, his little story. He says, we know that government alone is not the answer to the challenges that we face. Yes, our government must rebuild our schools, but we also need people to serve as mentors and tutors in those schools. Yes, our government must modernize our health care system, but we also need people to volunteer in our hospitals and communities to care for the sick and help people lead healthier lives. Now, before we go on, uh, no, I disagree. The government doesn't need to do anything with schools, nor does it need to modernize the health care system. Indeed, the government isn't capable of doing such things effectively. They can dump a whole bunch of money into either one of those two areas, and yeah, the hospital might get a new x-ray machine or whatever, you know, they might be able to buy some new equipment, but they don't have the correct incentives. They won't buy the right equipment. They won't buy the right amount of equipment. They won't, you know, they won't know exactly what, because they're the government, they're not tied into the marketplace signals, so they won't know what it is the marketplace is looking for. The government does a crap can job with everything that it touches, but yet, you know, Barack Obama and, and people like him can just make these declarations that, well, government must do these things. It's government's responsibility to take care of you. It's government's responsibility to educate you. And Americans believe this stuff, hook, line, and sinker. He goes on to say, not all Americans, but he goes on to say that, yes, our government must maintain the finest military in the history of the world. Well, actually, according to the Constitution, you know, that pesky old document that supposedly created your government, according to the Constitution, there's not even supposed to be a standing military. There's not supposed to be a standing army. So, no, you don't have an obligation to maintain the finest military in the history of the world. No, it's just not true. But if he says it enough times, people will believe him. And he says it's only possible if brave men and women across America sign up to serve in that military. And while our government can provide every opportunity imaginable for us to serve our communities. Really? That's quite a statement, that the government can provide every imaginable opportunity it's like poof you just think of it and poof the government can provide it but they're so good at doing things everything the government does it does well right well if that's so call in and tell us about it because i'd really love to hear the one thing the government does well 800-259-9231 it is up to each of us to seize those opportunities to do our part to lift up our fellow americans to realize our own true potential by hitching our wagon to something bigger than ourselves in the end, I have no it illusions. It is that. The government is bigger than me. I can, I, can, I can agree with that much. In the end, I have no illusions about the magnitude of the challenges we face. But I have no doubt that we can meet them if we each do our part. So I urge you to get involved right now at this defining moment in history. I'm not going to tell you what your role should be. <laughs> That's coming later. <laughs> right, today. That's for you to discover, he says, and I won't promise that it will always we'll be We'll give you easy. some choices of roles that you can take. Yes, you can either be in the military or in the other program. What's your choice? 
He says, it won't always be easy, and I can't promise you'll accomplish all your goals all at once. But I learned in the shadow of an empty steel plant more than two decades ago, while you can't necessarily <laughs> looking at. <laughs> bend history to your will, you can do your part to see that in the words of Dr. King, that it bends toward justice. So I hope that you will stand up and do what you can to serve your community, shape our history, and enrich both your own life and the lives of others across this country. And to that end, I say, great! Again, this it's a mixed message here, and it's mostly of the it's it's not really mixed too heavily, but it is mixed. The message is that services and and helping others is good. Okay, yeah, I like the idea of helping others, but I like the idea of being able to choose for myself how to help others. I like being able to make my own decisions as to how I spend my time and how I spend my money and what organizations I support with that. So if it, if that were all all that he were doing. If all he were doing was just putting out a call to, to Americans to, to get out into their communities and make a difference, there would no, be nothing I could disagree with about that. But that's not all that's going on here. And it doesn't take much digging uh, to beneath the surface to really come to understand what it is that they're looking at doing. Now, there's a story, uh, there's, a de- uh, I guess, an excerpt from the, the, the Give Act. It's either the Senate version or the, the House version. I'm not sure which one it is, but... Uh, the, the, there's an excerpt here. Just I don't know how long this bill is. It's probably hundreds of pages long, as most of their bills are. But just here are a few things that a participant in an approved national service position may not engage in. So it, so when the government program comes about, whether it's whether it's the mandatory one or if it's just an expansion of AmeriCorps or whatever it is they're looking at doing initially. You'd think that, well, you're, you're, you're going in and you're going to serve the community and, and that's all that's required of you. But there are more rules that will be attached that you might not necessarily have realized. And it's kind of like, and this is the Senate, uh, Senate version, I think. Here's the things you cannot do when you're serving as a national service person. You cannot attempt to influence legislation. Isn't that what... Uh, <laughs> what? Um, you... So I can't write my senator or That's congress critter? In you order are to- a worker of the state. You are serving the state, and you are not allowed to engage in such behaviors, even though people in government bureaucracies everywhere are doing those things. I mean, they're teachers' so, unions and things like that. Does that mean you can't rules, vote? Similar rules, if you're in the military. Yes. Yes, and that's what uh, they were pointing out here, that uh, this is very similar to what military people are, are uh, prohibited from doing. You're also not allowed to organize or engage in protests, petitions, boycotts, or strikes. Nor are you allowed to assist, promote, or deter union organizing. You're not allowed to impair existing contracts for services or collective bargaining agreements. You're not allowed to engage in partisan political activities or other activities designed to influence the outcome of an election. You're not allowed to participate in partisan political activities. So I would have to rescind my uh, membership to the uh, Republican Liberty Caucus, and uh, I suppose I wouldn't be able to allow to... You may just not be able to participate. Yeah, I I have a feeling they're not saying you need to... Suspend your membership. Well, what about uh, what about the bulletin boards? I'm on I'm on there a little. Uh... You just can't post. <laughs> Great. Uh, you uh, cannot participate in or endorse events or activities that are likely to include advocacy for or against political parties, political platforms, political candidates, proposed legislation, or elected officials. You're not allowed to engage in religious instruction, conducting worship services, providing instruction as part of a program that you're not includes... allowed to. You're not allowed to teach Sunday school. That's correct. is the SACL CAI toll-free line. So this is, you know, just the tip of the iceberg as to what's coming soon in this country. It is going to be a very large-scale national service program, essentially a brown shirt program, a Hitler youth program for America. 
we're keeping an eye on it here, and we'll take your calls about anything coming up. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You dial in toll-free and bring up whatever you want at 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com features including live streams, broadband version of the show, dial-up version, webcam. We give it all away free to you. At freetalklive.com, you can actually go to listen.freetalklive.com to tune in directly. You know that email is not secure, but hey, privacy's dead anyway, right? Well, wrong. Uh, you could introducing privacyharbor.com. It's an easy to use, secure email alternative. You can sign up for a free account today. That's a free account today at privacyharbor.com, where because normal email is not secure. It's privacyharbor.com. And by the way, just a quick update on the national service situation. Nick, you uh, told us during the break that uh, the Senate version of the bill has passed. Yep, that's according to Alex Jones over so Prison Planet. Actually, Paul Joseph Watson's the one reporting on that. The New York Times actually also has the story, so it's apparently passed 74 to 14, showing broad bipartisan support for service. So it looks like, I mean, there's a House version that's passed and a Senate version that's passed. It's pretty clear that we're going to have some form of that. Na- it's basically in the cards at this point. The legislation's been passed. One of those versions will be accepted. Right. This is going to be the version, or this is going to be my understanding of this, is that they're going to introduce a, a dramatic increase, uh, for instance, in the budget for the AmeriCorps program, possibly looking at an outlay of what was what was $418 million, uh, in 2010, and then it will go up to $5.7 billion or something yeah, like that. Yeah, as far as the mandatory aspect of it, this does say that the, a mandatory service requirement was dropped in the House bill. It doesn't say about the Senate bill. Um, but there's a part that remains about uh, the Youth Engagement Zone program um, and states that service learning will be a mandatory part of the curriculum in all of the secondary schools Served by the local educational agency. So, so they may bring this in right off the bat. Then they may not they, wait. I mean, they might. They may, what they made. I don't. I mean, I haven't read section 120 right. of, this, of this legislation. But what they may do is instead of making it serve or go to jail, they'll just simply say to high graduate. school students, say, "Well, you can either serve or you can not. Yeah, not get a diploma." Right. That's what. That's what we were. That's what uh, our understanding was of what Rahm Emanuel's plan originally was. Uh, was to essentially that way they couldn't say it was mandatory, right? Because nobody's forced to graduate from high school. So of course everybody's indoctrinated to believe that you need to in order to be successful. So for the most part, it's a fairly coercive system, and of course you're forced to pay for the high schools whether you send your kids there or not. So essentially it's coercive, but they can easily say, well, you know, this is still voluntary. You could still drop out of high school, and you wouldn't have to to go to the national service thing. So we'll keep you in the loop here as to, as to what develops. We're going to go to your phone calls about whatever's on your mind. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Let's talk first to Robert in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Robert. Hello. Hey, you're on the air. What's on your mind? Hey, uh, last week, Mark, you said you wanted to hear an example of socialism that works. Okay. Um, I got. You guys have actually mentioned it before, but there's like probably millions and millions and millions of small cases of socialism that works every day, and that's between like a man and a wife or a husband and wife. They typically share their money, and uh, they, you know, pull it all together, and there you go. And it usually is pretty 
works out pretty well. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Uh, absolutely. The family unit is a, a, you know, a great little sharing entity because people feel connections that they don't with, um, you know, neighbors and friends and things like that. You've heard, uh, um, you know, a good example is a good way to lose a friend is to have them as a roommate, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I was going to say, I was also in a, in a situation before I found uh, my libertarian beliefs and stuff. I used to live with my brother and a roommate, and we did the same thing. At the time, I made the most money, so I kind of set the example. And uh, we just put all of our money together into one pot, paid all the bills out of it, and uh, then whatever was left, we would, like, one person would buy what they want, and the next person would do what they want, and it would just go around. It was fairly effective until was I it, lost my job. Was it effective? Um, or, I mean, like, I'm just wondering if you made the most money. Usually that's the person that feels scalded the most by it. Um, you know, I mean, did you did you get to drink the uh, the flavor beer that you normally prefer? Or did they uh, drink up all your beer? Did they eat your food? Um, you know, I mean... No, th- I, did, I didn't really feel like that because one of, one of the people that was in the, I guess, they were very close. There was, uh, it was my our best friend, my brother and I. And my brother, so we were all three very close, and we didn't, it didn't like I made hundreds of thousands more than them, maybe a couple thousand a year, but still, I set the example, and uh, and maybe they benefited a little bit, but eventually I lost my job. Then my my friend, the one, not my brother, but my friend, started making more money, and he started, you know, lead by example. He started insisting to split everything equally. And uh, that's where I fell apart. <laughs> so you know, what, what fell apart? I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't quite get that. The whole, the whole thing fell apart when uh, the friend, out of me, my brother, and my friend, uh, he started making the most money, uh-huh. and he decided he didn't want to be in this little, I guess, situation. He wanted to do split everything equally. Fairly. And that's when it fell apart. Yeah. He wanted to split things, split things fairly. So y'all were splitting things based on who made what? You were, sp- you were splitting... Well, in the beginning, we were just like, uh, when I made the most, we just dumped all the money in a pot, and uh, we would pay bills. And, right. And how uh, much money did you, was, how did you decide how much money to dump into this pot? All of it. All of it. Everything, all of the money Everything that, that everyone made was dumped into this everything. pot. Wow, that's crazy, in my opinion. <laughs> I mean, I would never go along with such a thing. But, you know, if you can find people to uh, to go along with that, then and it's completely voluntary, then that's great. And as you pointed out, it didn't end up working out for you. Um, as in most until cases, well, yeah. it worked out until until your friend had to give up his money, and that's really that's the ugly part of this. This is the ugly right. little uh, portion of socialism is that you know when when it when it came time to pay the piper and be fair about everything, he didn't want to do it, and you know I don't blame him. Um, it, it's a it's a strange way to 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 run things, but. You know, it, it, if you like socialism, it's worth a shot, right? I think I think it's a stretch to identify a, um, a loving relationship as being socialist, where two partners share resources. But I suppose it fits. You know, well, I suppose it's it fits voluntary. The I mean, you were you're you you were free to leave that arrangement. Whereas yes. with socialism, you're you're not. Well, so, but, our group had three people, a man and a wife has two people, so it's not much different, in my opinion. Yeah, you're still free to leave, though. <laughs> Usually a man and a wife don't, uh, don't, don't, uh, when, one of the, when one of them starts making more money than the other, and the other one had uh, been making more money previously, right. the relationship doesn't break up. And I, that's, that's the ugly part of this, is that your friend, when he had the uh, chance to, to do what was right, did not. Because 
socialism doesn't really it doesn't incentivize people to uh, do the right thing. Robert, I thank you for the call tonight. The discussion eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. I would say that a, you know a man and a wife, um, you know, you can call that a socialist uh, arrangement. I don't have a problem it's, with that in particular. I mean, to me, socialism implies. A, a state arrangement. That, That's what it implies I w- to me. I would just say it's a communal arrangement when it's between individuals, but whatever you want to call it, I mean, it is sharing your resources. The, d- the definition uh, here, the number one definition, dictionary.com, is a theory or system of social organization that advocates the vesting of the, s- the ownership and control of the means of production and distribution of capital, land, etc., in the community as a whole. So... I guess if your community is the community of two people in your relationship, and that is your social organization, I suppose you could stretch that definition to uh, to apply to that. But I'm with Nick. I, I feel like socialism inherently means a much more a, a larger scale operation. But all that said, I still think having ownership separate in a relationship is a much better position to come from. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the Porcupine Realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building? Perhaps a cabin on a lake or a condo in an urban area? Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. Your number to dial in toll-free and bring up whatever you want is 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features we give away, so enjoy those. Uh, totally free for you, including the Shrine of Female listeners, dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo and prove they listen to the show. You can see it over at shrine.freetalklive.com. If you are a lady listener, you can submit your picture or... There's a now a video option. Get all the details at shrine.freetalklive.com. The Institute for Humane Studies is offering 12 different seminars this summer in locations across the country. Participation is free, and the IHS covers meals and housing. Seminars are for those simply curious about libertarian philosophy to those passionate about liberty, even those who want career advice, networking opportunities, and lectures relevant to each career path. Go to libertarianseminars.com and register today. Deadline is March the 31st. It's libertarianseminars.com. IHS covers all the expenses. All right. We continue here with your phone calls. We'll start by talking to Alex in Wisconsin. Alex, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Nick, and Mark. Hey, guys. Hey, Alex. What's on your mind? Um, first of all, I'd just like to apologize in advance. I have a little cold, so if I sound funny, please forgive me. But That's anyway, okay. I wanted to tell you guys about a success story I felt I had the other day. Sure. With freeing some people's minds because we were having a debate in one of my classes and the teacher this college asked, or high school college okay and the teacher asked um if she made four categories strongly agree agree disagree or strongly disagree and asked where we thought to go to this area about the question do we believe that it should be mandatory to teach a foreign language kindergarten through 12th grade i was the only one who went to strongly disagree and so, of course, I became the target of everyone because they wanted to really push me. And I just simply said, I don't think it's right for us to force anyone to learn anything. They're like, well, do you agree that same thing about math? I said, yeah, we shouldn't force people to learn math. They're like, well, kids won't want to learn then. <laughs> and I said, that's a common argument. But believe me, after a few years of being cheated out of change and flipping burgers at McDonald's, they'll probably willing to pay for a real education to learn the skills that they need. And 
Also, the uh, I'd, I'd like to point out that kids really do love to learn. Um, Jack is enjoying learning all kinds of new things every day. Well, they love but it, it until it really the... takes government school yeah. to suck that love right. right out of them. I mean, you really have to have a bureaucrat in there every single day telling them what to do and to shut up and to ask when to use the potty and all kinds of things like that to really make it so a kid hates learning. And that's what I tried pointing out. And then the big question that came up was, if we made it mand or the big point that I brought up, if we made it mandatory, we'd already have to pay more for public schools than someone actually brought up, and I was hoping they would. You don't pay for public schools. It's free. <laughs> I was like, that's a good one. Silly college kids. And so I pointed it out comes that from heaven. you pay for it in property taxes, and you pay just as much, if not more, than you do for private schools in some areas. Way more. And so... and. That was fine. The teacher decided some people were getting kind of riled up because we have education majors in that class, and Mm -hmm. they didn't like me basically saying their job's useless. But after class, three people came up to me and asked me more about my beliefs about these things, and they really started to seem to think about it and latch on to the idea that, wow, we really are being forced to pay for a school system that they all agreed didn't work. Anybody that's been through the government schools knows just how bad they can be, and I think that... I went to one of the worst ones in my or one of the worst systems in my state, the Milwaukee public school system. I mean, there are a few good areas, but for the most part, people consider it a lost cause. It is Milwaukee, after all. Well, great job. What did you end up doing? I mean, what did you tell them when they asked you for more information? Um, I just kind of explained to them, and I said a lot of what my beliefs are from the Austrian economics point of view, and I actually mentioned you guys. I said I listen to Free Talk Live a lot, and they help me understand some of these things that I don't that I didn't understand at first. I just kind of gave them some of the literature that I read, and I said, "Feel free to go look at it. And if you have any more questions about this stuff, let me know. I'm Great. not the best at it yet, but at the same time, I can help you figure it out because having people to talk to is how you figure things out." I think that's great. What a great story, and I thank you for the call yeah. tonight. Uh, you know, just it's one by one. You've got to win those hearts and minds over to the ideas of freedom, one person at a time. And uh, great job. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Let's continue with Steve in South Carolina. Steve, you are on Free Talk Live. Hi, Steve, guys. You're on the air. I digress at least twice. Okay. Okay, so it's Ian, Nick, and Mark, right? That's right. That's correct. So every time that there's a guest, Mark ends up last. That's right. Okay, well, I was just wondering why. That's Mark's choice, by the way, because he wants to feel important. Don't you don't you think that uh, you know that people uh, recall what they heard the last? Well, you know, actually, to a point, yes. That when Ian says I'm Ian, and it's like I remember that, and then everything else after that is just. Whatever. <laughs> First or last is the way to go, and it would be difficult for Ian to signal me to say, and Mark, before him. Yeah. And, you know, so, I mean, uh, when he, that, that sort of works like, for us. It, it's almost like a uh, proprietary thing. It's like Ian, Nick, Mark. Yes. Yeah, we got our format, and we, uh, we, we stick to it well here on Free Talk Live. So what else? Well, that's fine. The other thing is, too, is like the, uh, the socialist thing that the two callers ago was talking about. Yeah. And I was thinking about my ex-wife. It's like, my money is my money, and your money is my money. 
Yeah, sometimes it works that way with, uh, you know, sometimes it works that way in family units. And and at that point, I think I agree with Ian that uh, keeping keeping money separate is a good idea. Um, certainly, I've had relationships where that would be a good idea, and it's difficult because, you know, the people that don't that that you should keep your money separate from don't want you to. Right. <laughs> no, I want you to share your money with me. Um, yeah. Those people want that. And then, you know, then you're you're having sex with them and you're getting married to them and all these other things. And you're trying to tell them, no, no, stay away from my money. Stay, stay, stay. It's difficult. Whereas um, the people that you should be sharing your money with, the, the woman that you should be sharing your money with, she's uh, she's not all that fired interested in uh, your money and taking care of <laughs> your finances because, well, Apparently, you aren't as good at it as she is. So that's, you know, that's that's kind of the, the conundrum there. I got you. The other thing is, too, is when I graduated from high school, I was socially promoted from Neville High School in Monroe, Louisiana, uh, which you guys do have a station there. We are on KBYO in Monroe. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And um, I got socially promoted. And I was, you know, I was thinking about it when after I got into college and pretty much I didn't do good in that. And... I was thinking the bells, the bells, they ring, they ring, they tell me when the tardy bell rings and so on and so forth. I was like, why do we have bells? And it's because we're being indoctrinated to work in a shift for like, uh, a, you know, an industry for labor. Yeah. And the bell rings, it's time for a shift change. I was like, well, this, this sucks. And after I got out of high school, I went into the Navy because I thought, well, you know, I've got nothing to do. I'm just going to go work <laughs> That's often the reason the people go. Yeah, well, yeah, I went into the Navy and I was like, oh, this is the wrong path to take. Oops. So, yeah, really. And luckily I got out with a medical discharge, which was an honorable discharge. And I got out and Sweet. then I started thinking independently. I was like, wait a minute, I got my own mind. So I ended up getting my bachelor's degree and I ended up getting my master's degree in cyber, uh, Homeland Cybersecurity, which made me feel very independent. And I'm thinking, you know, this indoctrination stuff is a mind-washing concept that they, they put on you as a young child. And if you don't realize the difference, then you're going to be sucked into it, and you'll never know the difference. And that's where most people are. They've been completely, uh, you know, brainwashed to believe that the state is all and that uh, they just need to follow this predetermined path of going to college, graduating, getting a job, sticking with that job, getting, you know, to age 65 to where they can retire. They'll collect their Social Security and then, the, you know, they'll croak at some point. Uh, and you're right. And people are put into that mentality from the state indoctrination system, which basically creates a very obedient class of people, a class of people who, and I thank you for the call tonight, a class of people who aren't interested in taking risks, a class of people whose you know, primary uh, mode of operation is to just get by to get by and, and to survive. Many of the proponents of public education when it was first being proposed, they advocated that because they knew that they would be able to control the average person more if they had programmed them and, and basically taken them out of the family unit and have the state raise them from an early age. And, and by control, specifically, um, you, we're talking about extracting wealth. And because if you can control somebody's mind, then it's easy to get them to work for you and not think much of it. 50, 60, 70% taxes? People don't blink an eye at it. 
is Free Talk Live. You can dial toll-free and bring up whatever you want at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. You like the show? You want to help support Free Talk Live? You can shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Enter Amazon through that link, and Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. So just start your shopping at amazon.freetalklive.com and you can get all the stuff that you need for life. Um, by the way, uh, the, un- uh, the bureaucrats are undermining your right to bear arms and they're taxing bottled water. That's right. Water. Log on to enjoybottledwater.org and tell them enough is enough. Sign the petition fighting taxes and regulations on bottled water. After all, if they can tax water, what will they do next? Go to enjoybottledwater.org and get your signature on that position, uh, that petition. Which, by the way, that's a, a website put together by our friends over at CEI, the Competitive Enterprise Institute. Same people that are behind the excellent organization Bureaucrash, which uh, we're big fans of here on this program. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, if you want to see more uh, partnerships between organizations like CEI and uh, Free Talk Live... I recommend going and signing this petition. This shows them how uh, active our listeners are and, you know, that they care about the same things that, you know, that, that CEI cares about. So please go sign this petition now. Sign it today. If it's the one thing you do for Free Talk Live this month, sign this petition. Enjoybottledwater.org. We were talking with uh, Pete, Pete Iyer, or Air, rather, the president of Bureaucrash, and Jason Talley, who's a former president of Bureaucrash. Both of them are planning on moving up here to New Hampshire and apparently moving the bureaucrat head offices up here. I guess it's not all completely set in stone quite yet. They're trying to work out some, nail down some details with the higher-ups at CEI. Uh, but they're, they've launched a website, and since it's on the Internet, I, I think it's fair to, uh, to give it a mention here. It's called MotorhomeDiaries.com. Uh, searching for freedom in America, MotorhomeDiaries.com, with uh, both Pete and Jason as bloggers there. One of their blog entries is about how we were talking about them yesterday on Free Talk Live. And, and of course, I went over there and I noticed that there was a, a chip-in a chip contribution thing up in the corner. And I figured they're doing such an awesome – what they're doing is just so awesome, I figured we had to get behind it. And so I threw $100 in their, their first – which I thought was their first $100 contribution because – there was zero dollars listed on the chip-in total, uh-huh. but even though I put a hundred dollars in, it still lists zero. So not sure what's going on behind the scenes. I guess something screwy with the totals. But anyway, uh, you can head over to MotorhomeDiaries.com. Basically, what they're going to do is they're going to take an RV from New Hampshire and drive it all across uh, all across the country, promoting, of course, Bureaucrash and promoting CEI and promoting Free Talk Live. Apparently, Mark, you told me they're going to have a Free Talk Live logo or banner or something like that on their their RV. That's the intent. I mean, I, I you know, I, I you know, we'll see if it uh, all you know works out. But yeah, that's the intent. So I think that's awesome, and so I want to have both Pete and Jason come in here when they're up here in New Hampshire, have them sit in the studio, talk about what they've got planned, and then have them call the show uh, periodically as they're on the road and, and give us updates. I think that'll be a lot of fun, and I think that I think this is going to end up being a huge, huge recruiting tool for uh, for free for the Free State Project, and hopefully bureaucrats too. Yeah, well, yeah, obviously, uh, but but going around from to various different in a, uh, various different events and putting the idea in front of young libertarians, which is what bureaucrats does, is kind of. You know, it does things that are appealing to young people mm-hmm. and bringing more liberty-minded people into the uh, to the concept of the Free State Project, and that is, of course, moving as many 
hopefully thousands and thousands of liberty-minded people all here to New Hampshire so we can get active and actually achieve freedom in our lifetime. So uh, thanks to the guys over at MotorhomeDiaries.com for doing what they're doing because it's pretty exciting. And it looks like they want to get started on April 1st. They're going to drive from D.C. to New Hampshire. So Sounds like a lot of fun, actually. Yeah, this is just getting started, and we'll follow it here on the, uh, on the show. As we continue with your phone calls, uh, let's talk to Tom in New Hampshire. Tom, you're on Free Talk Live. Tom, New Hampshire. Uh, yeah, I want you to know I signed that petition there about the bottled water. Thank I, you, I sir. That that's the least I could do here. But anyway, uh, yesterday I called up to mention how, uh, you know, a cop went out and killed four innocent human beings, and then the cops were whining like a bunch of crybabies because a human being went out and killed four cops. And somehow that's not fair, even though one of them killed four of us. It's not fair that uh, one of us goes out and kills four of them. But anyway, one thing I, I need to bring up here. When you've got uh, issues that are of concern to you that you learn about on the news, you can look up the local newspapers and TV stations out that way, where the things have happened. Okay. You can go to the, the search engines, have their own news presentations, too. So you can see news all over the country and around the world. They put in uh, keywords and search for these things. Yeah. And then you can go on to their websites. You can uh, set up a little account there and log in and post your comments to them. On a lot of newspapers' and, websites and some TV sites, sure. Yeah, well, this is a, a, another avenue for people who want to uh, express themselves and, uh, like, for instance, in Bedford, Texas, they're debating imposing a daytime curfew on children because these oh, children geez. are committing truancy from school. And, and, you know, I went on the, the Fort Worth Star-Telegram and pointed out the government never had any right to compel them to attend school in the first place. But ne- they do. Never, never, never concede the first part, you know, because they keep building from that. And their original premise is false, that they even have a right to... You're right. When you're, uh, when you're talking about liberty with people, it's always best to strike at the root. I thank you, Tom, for the call. It's a good suggestion. It's easy to get lost in the details. It's easy to you know, yep. start arguing over the, the, the minutiae over a, a new proposed plan. And what, you know, for instance, we were talking about uh, the National Service Plan, where they're going to increase uh, the AmeriCorps budget from you know, 400-something million to $5 billion or something like that. I don't have all the numbers in front of me, but to instead uh, instead of arguing about, well, I don't think it should be five billion. We should only have uh, five hundred million instead of five billion. You know, to argue about the details of the plan is not doing anything for freedom, but to strike at the root and to say, well, the real issue here is whether or not people, uh, the, the government should be out there providing uh, uh, false charity options for people to spend their time on. I mean, should government be conflating real volunteerism with working for the state to really uh, cut to the, the root of the issue? And of course, the ultimate root is should government exist at all? Uh, but the, the closer you can get to the root of the uh, the issue and the, the false premises, as Tom was talking uh, uh, talking about, the better because if you can help people understand that all of these ideas that the government is putting forth, whether it's you know some new government program or a modification to an existing program, it's all based on the false premise that we even need government to be providing these uh, these services in the first place. And if you if you avoid that conversation, you just get mired down in the details. And I don't think you, you're as effective that way. Toll-free number, 800-259-9231. Let's talk to Terry in British Columbia. Terry, you're on Free Talk Live. Uh, hello. Hey. Um, 
I just want to make some comments um, on sure. the National Service Program. Um, yeah, I think you're right what you just said. Um, we pay taxes to the government, and uh, we're under the illusion that those taxes are going to these social uh, programs. And if they were doing the job with the cash in the first place, we wouldn't even need volunteers in the hospitals now. Uh, they'd be fully staffed. Um, but, of course, from... Uh, their perspective, the government's perspective, this is an ideal opportunity for them uh, to be able to have, as you said, slave labor, and then the money that we present them with um, in taxes can then, of course, be used uh, to buy, you know, um, weapons or to, for bailouts. Well, uh, or for whatever other reason. I don't know if the National Service Program has been pr- uh, proposed as slave labor. It's slavery in that you'll, you'll be forced into it, but at the same time, they are going to probably give people some sort of stipend. There will be, like there is for AmeriCorps, there will be some kind of payment. In the same way that soldiers in the military get a very low amount of money uh, for the amount of hours they're putting in, similarly, you'll see a very low amount of money being uh, distributed to the, the people working these National Service Programs. It doesn't make it any less slavery because obviously in the times of chattel slavery the slaves had a house to live in and they had food that they could eat and you know in some cases they even did get some uh, some money from what i under, uh, from what i understand uh so it's it's still slavery in that it's in it's involuntary servitude but it's not total complete you're working for free kind of slavery yeah well i guess the um i guess the the, the slave that works for the good master that gives him extra food or a better place to stay is just as much a slave as the the one on the next ranch that, absolutely um, <laughs> if you were if you didn't get to choose to join and you aren't free to leave then you're a slave you're a slave nonetheless and you mentioned you 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 uh, mentioned uh, that caught my interest and i've said this many times um 70 percent uh, income tax directly and in indirectly and people don't understand that the majority of their taxes goes to pay a bill that doesn't exist, and that is the interest on national debt. Yep, that is uh, that is actually true from what I understand, and I thank you for the call. 800-259-9231, that's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Over and above that, they can just print out whatever other money they need to pay for things. It's nice to be the government. 800-259-9231, hour three is coming up. You can bring up whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. Government officials like to think they know better than the rest of us. They tell us what we can buy and when we can buy it. Everything from guns and booze to cold medicine and cigarettes. Now they've gone even farther. Cities across the country are now trying to tax and ban bottled water. That's right. Simple, no alcohol, no caffeine, no calorie bottled water. They say it's wasteful and buying it is, quote, stupid. But who are they to decide? If politicians decide you shouldn't even be able to buy bottled water, what's next? Visit us at enjoybottledwater.org and sign the petition to keep the nanny state out of our water bottles. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Also, you'll find free stuff over at Nick's website, which is freemindstv.com. 
Head over there to take a look at uh, Free Minds TV, the television version of the show, as well as a radio version uh, that they do on a handful of stations across the country on Sundays. You can also hear it on the Free Talk Live live streams, as well as the Liberty Radio Network live stream on Sunday afternoons from 3 to 5 o'clock Eastern Time. You can get all those details at freemindstv.com. More great pro-liberty content for you to consume at your leisure. All right, so uh, we're continuing here. Your phone calls about whatever you want. We had a call come in last hour. That reminded me of one of my favorite stories. Now, the call was uh, a guy who was, he was making the, uh, the, the claim that being in a relationship wherein both individuals uh, are sharing resources is socialism. Now, one of our chatters pointed out in the AMP Only chat room that that's, it's more collaborative relationship than it is socialism, because socialism suggests more of a society structure with, with involving the state, but... All that said, we, we gave him the point. We said, you know, you might be able to call it If you're going to call a commune socialist, uh, socialism, I suppose you can call it more communistic. Communal. Um, communal, yeah. yeah. Like, I, I think you could, you could probably call a family more communal, but really the difference between socialism and communism in people's minds is, is very thin line. Absolutely. Socialism really means somebody up top telling your butt what to do all the time. And they own everything. You just, and you, and everything. And you don't get to choose. In in all of the socialist regimes that we've seen, you don't get to choose. You know, if somebody wants to create voluntary socialism, then that's fine. And that's what he was pointing out. He said, well, in his uh, one of his roommate situations that he had, where he had a couple of roommates, they had this voluntary deal where they all threw, apparently, 100% of their paychecks into the same community pot. Now, this is a really... Apparently, un- they had no intention of dating anyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So this is a really unusual kind of roommate situation, at least it's one I've never heard of. I mean, I've heard people sharing bills before, but I've never heard of anybody actually sharing their paychecks. So he said that they all threw money in, and since he was making the most, uh, he felt like he was doing something nice for, uh, for, his, for his friends. And, you know, that's great, whatever makes you feel good. And if it works for you, then great. But as he pointed out, it didn't work out, because as soon as one of the other guys started making more money... He decided he wanted to keep all his uh, his paychecks, and he wasn't interested in this throw everything into the the uh, the community pot idea anymore. Well, it, it, strangely, he didn't seem uh, actually put about put out about it at all. Um, he seemed like uh, you know everything worked great until you know th- then he you know a little little late, later he starts explaining that you no know, you know once the other guy started making money then it kind of fell apart. But as long as I was making more money and I was willing to play along, everything worked fine. So it reminded me of one of my favorite stories, and I haven't read this for years on the show, so I figured it's a good time. It's from The Onion, which, of course, if you don't know, is a brilliant satirical newspaper that is available online and in print form. You can go to theonion.com and uh, enjoy it for free. It's a great – I actually was a subscriber of The Onion newspaper for a, for a little while back in the early part of this decade, and it's, uh, it's a great little paper. In fact, you can pick it up free in some major metros like New York City and Washington, D.C. They actually have onion paper boxes. You can just walk up, open it up, and get yourself a free onion. That's your favorite thing about going to New York City, too. You always find one of the boxes that has the onion in it. Did I find one last time I was in New York City? I I know I found one in D.C. I don't recall New York. But anyway, the story is Marxist Apartment, a microcosm of why Marxism doesn't work. The filthy, disorganized apartment shared by three members of the Amherst College Marxist Society is a microcosm (laughs) of why the social and economic utopia described in the writings of Karl Marx will never come to fruition, sources reported Monday. The history of society is the inexorable history of class struggle, said sixth-year undergraduate Kirk Dorff. 
23, resting his feet Six on a, year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> resting his feet on a coffee table cluttered with unpaid bills, crusted cereal bowls, and bong water stained socialist pamphlets. The stage is set for the final struggle between the bourgeoisie and the proletariat. The true Only the bourgeoisie class. don't know that they're bourgeoisie and they really don't care. We're well aware of that here at 514 West Elm Street, unlike other apartments on this supposedly intellectual campus. <laughs> Upon moving Hell. in together at the beginning of the fall 2001 semester, Dorf, Josh Foyle, and Tom Eve sat down and devised an egalitarian system for harmonious living. Each individual roommate would be assigned a task, which he would be required to carry out on a predetermined day of the week. A bulletin board in the kitchen was chosen as the spot for household announcements and to track reimbursements for common goods like toothpaste and toilet paper. We were creating an exciting new model for living, said Dorf, stubbing his cigarette into an ashtray that had not been emptied in six days. It was like we were dismantling the apparatus of the state right within our own living space. Despite the roommate's optimism, the system began to break down soon after its establishment. To settle disputes, the roommates held weekly meetings of the Committee of Three. I brought up that I thought it was total BS that I'm like the only one who ever cooks around here, yet I have to do the dishes too, said Foyle, unaware of just how much the apartment underscores the infeasibility of scientific socialism as outlined in Das Kapital. So we then decided that if I cook, someone else has to do the dishes. We were going to rotate bathroom cleaning duty, but then Kirk kept skipping his week, so we had to give him the duty of taking out the garbage instead. But now he has a class on Tuesday night, so we switched that with the mopping. After weeks of complaining that he was the only one who knew how to clean halfway decent, Foyle began scaling back his efforts, mirroring the sort of production problems experienced in the USSR and other Soviet bloc nations. At an October 7th meeting of the, because since I guess we can expand on that to somebody that's new to these ideas, uh, because when people are all working for, you know, essentially the same amount of reward, the people that are the most productive don't have any interest in doing the maximum level of production that they're capable of. Because if you're going to get the same amount of reward, regardless of how much you produce, why would you want to work twice as hard? There's no incentive. Yeah, there's really not. At an October 7th meeting of the Committee and of if Three. You're, if you're particularly uh, productive, they'll give you more things to do. <laughs> you know, that's, well, Who wants that? It doesn't take you very long to clean the bathroom, and it takes me forever to do the dishes. I'm sorry, you're slow. At an October 7th meeting of the Committee of Three, more duties and a point system were added. Two months later, however, the duty chart is all but forgotten, and the shopping list is several pages long. The roommates have also tried to implement a food-sharing system with similarly poor results. The dream of equal distribution of shared goods quickly gave way to pilferage, misallocation, and hoarding. I bought the peanut butter the first four times, and this organic farm's S isn't cheap, Eve no, said. No, it's not. So ever since, I've been keeping it in my dresser drawer. If Kirk wants to make himself a sandwich, he can run to the corner store and buy some Jif. Another failed experiment involves the cigarettes bought collectively. Oh, Dis- yeah, that's a bad idea. Disagreements constantly arose over who smoked more than his fair share of the group's supply of American spirit blues. And roommates now hide individually purchased packs from each other, especially late at night when shortages are frequent. And, uh, by the way, uh, when when goods are thrown into this common zone, like they did in the uh, the early days of the, the pilgrims here in America, they, they put everything together into the common area, of course you're going to deal, uh, of course there's going to be a problem with people pilfering. 
And they didn't really. The, the pilgrims were sort of they 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 were indentured servants to some extent because a company brought them over here, sort of paid for their their voyage. They didn't do it from a philosophical angle. They did it because that's what the company said to do. Why uh, work when you could steal? <laughs> why uh, why go- bother even showing up to the fields to plow them if you can just run by the uh, the, the store shack and and rob things from it and then you know not work because well again there's no real reward for working if it's even really stealing I mean the idea is that was yours things in the first are, place yeah things are communally owned so that's the problem here is that everything right. belongs to everyone. So I can just wa- go over to Mark and take this computer and start using it. No, it can't. doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah, people mm. like to have their own things in real life, so it doesn't work out very well. The situation is familiar to Donald Browning, author of Das Couch: History of College Marxism, 1970 to 1998. When workers willfully become less productive, the economy of the household suffers. He said, but in a society where a range of ability naturally exists, someone is bound to object to picking up the slack for others and end up getting all pissy, like Josh does. According to Browning, the group's lack of productivity pervades their lives, with roommates encouraging each other to skip class or work to sit or skip class or work to sit on the couch smoking pot and talking politics. 800-259-9231. A few more uh, bits of this story and your calls about whatever you want. 800-259-9231. Have you ever lived in a situation like this? Have you ever actually lived on a commune? Can you tell us what it was like? It probably wasn't too much unlike this uh, satire. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can dial toll-free. Bring up whatever you want. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. And those features include the updates. Get signed up. We keep you in the loop. Whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live, just go to updates.freetalklive.com. Get on the list free. That's updates. FreeTalkLive.com. If you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections, SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep your clients, too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at FreeTalkLive.com. And do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live. All right, 800-259-9231. Continuing to share a one of the, I think, my favorite articles from The Onion. Uh, it was actually written back in 2002, but it's still uh, it's still relevant today and will be relevant forever as far as I'm concerned. It's, it's called uh, Marxists, Marxist Apartment, a Microcosm of Why Marxism Doesn't Work. And the reason I brought this up was because we actually had somebody call tonight to say that well, at one time in his life, he had a couple roommates, and they had this communal system, and everything was fine as long as he was making the most money, since they all threw all of their money together into the same pot. But then once somebody else just, uh, started making more money, then all of the rules changed, because that guy didn't want to go along with the system at that point, because then he would be contributing the majority share. And then all of a sudden, the system became unfair, and they broke up, and, and their little experiment in socialism didn't work. And so this is The Onion expanding on that idea idea and, and making fun of it. And it's one of the reasons why The Onion, I think, is uh, it's the greatest newspaper ever ever invented. <laughs> uh, because it's, the commentary is just so poignant and so well done, so brilliant. And it, it's not 
it's not specifically a libertarian newspaper. There are, are themes from all across the board in the Onion, but they definitely have some liber- I can I mean, just from reading them over the years, there definitely have been some writers within the Onion's uh, writer staff that certainly are of our mindset. Anyway, the story continues here, describing the uh, a par- a college apartment of three college kids uh, who are in the Amherst College Marxist Society and how it is that their systems of communal sharing just aren't working out for them. So we continue here. Uh, one of the experts that uh, was brought in to analyze the apartment pointed out that the group's lack of productivity pervades their lives, with roommates encouraging each other to skip class or to work uh, or skip work to sit on the couch smoking pot and talking politics. Browning said a spirit of free market competition in the house would likely result in better incomes or better grades. Then, instead of being hated and ostracized by the world at large, as socialist countries usually are, they could maintain effective uh, diplomacy with their landlord, their parents, and Kirk's boss, who cut back his hours at shaman drum books. The lack of funds and resulting scarcity breeds not only discontent but also corruption. Although collectivism only works when all parties contribute to the fullest extent, Foyle hid the existence of a $245 paycheck from roommates so he would not have to pay his back rent, in essence refusing to participate in the forced voluntary taxation that is key to socialism. Even worse, Dorf, who is entrusted with bill collection and payment, recently pocketed $30, a theft that he claimed was for the heating bill, but ended up being put toward buying drinks later that night. Mm. As is and, human. Hmm. Yeah, this is you know this is just sort of human nature when you when you know everything's put together and everybody decides via committee you know what it is that we're gonna um, spend the money on and all that other stuff. What they're not gonna spend money on is you going out and buying drinks and mm-hmm. having a good time with your friends who aren't them. I mean that's just not gonna happen. Yeah, sure. We'll, maybe we'll have some beer in the apartment or maybe we'll have some weed in the apartment, but. You, you won't be able to do anything outside of it, and, and anything that seems like fun or entertainment, that's not going to work out. And then who's voting on what we're going to see for movies? If two guys like yeah. action movies, then one of them, one of them wants to see a, a, chick flick. a chick flick now and then. Yeah, that's not going to work out. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the, what you point out there is one of the reasons why communism and socialism fail, because they're not in harmony with human nature. You know, and, and and really, it's the it's the the same thing in public school. If one student wants to, you know, if if most of the parents of students want them to learn mathematics, well, then they'll learn mathematics. But if one of them says, "Well, I want them to learn, I want my little Johnny to learn basket weaving or how to, you Latin. know, whatever," then if there's not enough people, there's not enough demand. You're not going to get it. Tough. Browning, the expert says, as is human nature, power tends to corrupt even the noblest of men. The more power the collective has over the lives of the individuals, as is the case in this household, the more he who is in charge of distribution has to gain by being unscrupulous. These Marxists will soon realize they overestimated how much control they would like 514 West Elm as an entity to have. So fun, fun little story there, and I think it, uh, it I think it rings true for uh, for a lot of people who maybe they went to college and and maybe they they did try something like this. I, I don't think this is an un, unfamiliar story to people where they figured that hey, yeah we can make this uh, you know we can make this work. We'll just assign some some tasks and you guys will all do that. And we'll throw our money in and we'll uh, we'll live large, and it just doesn't end up working out because the incentives aren't there for people to be uh, to be frugal. If you've got a bunch of money that's all being thrown in together, and most of it isn't yours, because if it's two, if a three roommate situation, and let's say the roommates are all making about the same amount, 
you're looking at uh, you know three times the amount that you would be making, and you have the uh, the say over how it's distributed. You've no interest in being very judicious with those other people's money. It's, nope. it's not your money. What works best in roommate situations is well, if you make a mess, clean it up. If um, yeah. and and then maybe once once a month having a cleaning day. That way, you know, um, the house stays relatively clean in, mm-hmm. the, in the process. And then when uh, the cleanup, you know, big cleanup day comes, you, you do that. And then everybody takes off for that day and then the, the house is get, gets cleaned. And that, that's that's a good system. Also, buying your own food, labeling that food and putting it in. And that way, when somebody else takes, you know, I mean, they know that they're taking your food as opposed to taking the community food and eating too much of the community food and, and that kind of thing. It's just... Yours is yours works best in the, uh, the the communal system. People feel bad. I mean, if you've got the the food situation going on where it's it's community owned, and then somebody takes you know too much of the the cereal that somebody else likes, then that 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 causes resentment. It causes uh, it, ca- it can cause problems with those relationships. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That is the SACL CAI toll free line. So again, interested to know if you've ever lived in a situation like this. I don't know how many of our listeners have ever actually experienced a system. Uh, you know, whether they well, if anybody's been in a roommate situation, you understand how communism doesn't work. If it's your job to clean the sink or clean the toilet or clean the bathroom, you understand that that other roommate just doesn't care very much. Pee, pee a little bit on the on the seat, right? Well, Who cares? You know, they, they're just not going to. I would I would find that embarrassing. However, yeah. Yeah. You know, if guys are using toilets, they're going to be not as clean with them as they, you know, should be. Um, also, you know, people cut their hairs in the bathroom and shave, and so mm-hmm. they'll be more likely to, they'll be more likely to leave a little more bit detritus. of hair. Yeah. Yeah, more crap that goes around. And if they don't have to clean it, it's just not their problem. All right, so 800-259-9231. Uh, you can bring up whatever you want. Still to come here, coming up. The Agitator reporting on a narcotics squad that is out of control. Now, this isn't really too unusual. Uh, cops, they get, the, as they were talking about in the other article, power goes to their heads. They feel like they can get away with almost anything, and sometimes they do get away with it, but if they keep trying it over and over again and they keep attempting to get away with it enough times, eventually somebody's going to show up with a video uh, camera and they're going to get caught. And somebody's going to say something about it. But uh, so some cops in Philly had been doing some amazingly, blatantly corrupt, terrible things. And we're, we're, shell, uh, we're going to share those with you coming up here in moments. Or you can dial in and bring up whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com features including the wiki with over 1,800 pages created by listeners just like you. Head over to wiki.freetalklive.com and see what it's all about. Get interactive. It's like the listener editable version of our website, wiki.freetalklive.com. The Institute for Humane Studies is offering 12 different seminars this summer. 
and they're all free, and they pick up the tab. I'd like to just go over Moral Foundations of Capitalism. This is on uh, June the 20th through the 26th. It's at Clemson University. It's a rigorous and interdisciplinary evaluation of the economic systems. It examines timeless questions about society, human nature, and government with an emphasis on current events. Explore capitalism's roots in philosophy and history as well as economic theory in the current crisis. Discuss the ideas of thinkers such as Aristotle, Adam Smith, Ayn Rand, and Friedrich Hayek. Um, you know, it sounds like it's going to be really great. If you're in college or, you know, in that college age, go to libertarianseminars.com. The de- deadline for registration is March the 31st, so it's coming up quickly. You want to get uh, registered, libertarianseminars.com. Shopkeepers say plainclothes cops barged in, looted stores, and stole cash. The story is from Philly.com, as originally or as reported also on The Agitator. On a sweltering July afternoon in 2007, Officer Jeffrey Kudzik and his narcotics squad members raided an only tobacco shop. Then, with guns drawn, they did something bizarre. They smashed two surveillance cameras with a metal rod, say store owners David and Eunice Nam. The five plainclothes officers yanked the camera wires from the ceiling. They forced the slight, frail Korean couple to the vinyl floor and cuffed them with plastic wrist ties. I'm so scared, said Eunice, who's 56. We are on the floor, handcuffs on me. I'm so, so scared. I wet my pants. The officers rifled through drawers, dumped cigarette cartons on the floor, and took cash from registers. They then hauled the uh, the NAMs to jail. They were arrested for selling tiny Ziploc bags that police considered drug paraphernalia. They've tried this time and time again, and they can't even get a, they can't get a law passed that says that the tiny bags are drug paraphernalia, so the cops just call it drug paraphernalia. I'm sorry, mm. my wife gets, uh, you know, has several of these bags, and she puts her daily vitamins in them. And uh, the, Sure she does, Mark. <laughs> yeah, she's, you sure she's not standing out on this the corner of uh, Route 12 and uh, handing out money to unex- unsuspecting children? Yeah, I don't or, think uh, so. Or drugs, rather? Yeah, not, not happening. My wife, drug treatment counselor. Little bags, sorry, people want little bags for things. When they later unlocked their store, the NAMs alleged they discovered that a case of lighter fluid and handful of Zippo lighters were missing. The oh, police said cute. the police said they seized twenty five hundred seventy three dollars in the raid. The NAMs say they actually had between thirty eight hundred and four thousand dollars in the store. Now this happens more often than you can imagine. You only actually end up hearing about it from time to time because the corrupt cops only get caught now and then. We we have no idea how many corrupts are really or how many re- cops are really engaging in corrupt activities like this. But we've certainly heard enough stories over the years to know that it happens a lot. If they pull somebody over, or in this case, go into a business and just steal money from the cash register. If they pull somebody over and you, and they've got their life savings with them of let's say ten twenty thousand dollars, they're traveling from one point to another, moving to a new house or something. Whether they were going to a drug dealer or not is irrelevant. They presume that the that the money is being used for drugs, and they then confiscate it. Now the police, it's up to them to write down the amount that they confiscated on the evidence forms that they have to fill out on the paperwork that they have to do. So if they actually took twenty thousand, they could write down ten. And that means that that remaining $10,000 goes into their pocket. And what do you do about that? I mean, if you're the victim of this theft, if you are the NAMs in this case, and you had $4,000 in your uh, your safe in the back or whatever, and they they took all $4,000 and then they said they only took $2,500, 
all you can do is say, hey, you're lying. Yeah, and, and the, uh, the idea that they're taking cash from people that they haven't been able to get, uh, you know, catch with drugs. Sorry, it's, you know, even if you claim that it's your job to catch drugs, it's your job to catch drugs, not to catch cash. I mean, what if somebody's out going and attempting to buy a car or something like that? Big deal. They're carrying some cash on them. Mm-hmm. That's it's illegal. Nothing wrong with cash. It says legal tender on it. Well, until they decide otherwise. Apparently. Right, until they decide, it, decide it's illegal tender. The NAM story is strikingly similar to those told by other mom-and-pop store owners from the Dominicans in Hunting Park to, De- to the Jordanians in South Philadelphia. The Daily News interviewed seven store owners and an attorney representing another. Independently, they told similar stories. Officer Kujic and fellow officers destroyed or cut the wires to surveillance cameras. Some store owners said they watched as officers took food and slurped on energy drinks. Other store owners said cigarette cartons, batteries, cell phones, and candy bars were missing after the raids. The officers also confiscated cash from the stores, a routine practice in the narcotics field unit raids, but they didn't record the full amount on police property receipts, allege the shop owners. These are seven different shop owners who are all making the same allegations about these guys. In one case, officers failed to document about $8,200. In another, about $7,000. Getting getting little bonuses. Apparently, it's pretty nice uh, extra little chunks of change there. Well, they go in with eight officers, uh, so, you know, a grand apiece. It's not like you're going to buy a a wedding band or, or you know, a diamond ring or anything with it. Did it say there were eight officers? Didn't you just say that? It just said, yeah, just, I don't know, maybe I did. It said the narcotics squad, so who knows how many that is. Anyway, I uh, know it was seven stores, and so there were eight cases, rather. So uh, in, in all eight cases, Officer Kujic applied for the search warrant and played a key role in the bust. The store owners were charged with possessing and delivering drug paraphernalia, specifically the tiny bags. In the cases that have been settled, judges sentenced the store owners to probation or less. So... The judges are, as usual, taking the side of the state, and they're not doing anything to uh, to help these people out, even though it seems pretty obvious that there's some railroading going on here, that there's some unfair uh, police tactics and targeting happening here. The judges are just moving them through the system. Okay, we've got their money, so we'll just give them probation and let them off the hook. So they're not they're not putting them in jail. They're just extracting money from them. That's what the that's what the system's there for. Sorry. It just is. And letting them go. As for those broken surveillance cameras, officers have no reason to cut camera wires or destroy cameras, said a high-ranking Philly police official who requested anonymity, none whatsoever. It would be like they're, it would look like they're trying to hide something, the official said. That's what it looks like to me. It would look like they don't want to be on the surveillance camera themselves. An attorney representing Kudjik said the store owner's allegations are false. That's right. All seven or eight of these unrelated store owners in various different parts of the city have gotten together to plot against one police officer, right? Is Mm. that what now we're being told to believe this story? Amazing. Says that uh, now the Daily News has created a mass hysteria concerning the Philadelphia Narcotics Unit. It comes as no surprise that every defendant ever arrested will now proclaim their innocence and bark about being mistreated. He wrote in an email to the Daily News. Suffice it to say, there is not a scintilla of truth to such convenient protestations. They didn't do the right thing, said Mo Magtha, who runs his father's South Philly tobacco shop, which was raided in 2007. You're not allowed to sell those bags, okay? Just take them out. You don't have to rob my store and steal my cigarettes. At least three former police informants who worked with Kujik told the Daily News that he often gave them cartons of cigarettes. 
When he would raid a a corner store, he'd give me cigarettes from them, said Tiffany Gorham, a former informant. Kujic's at the center of an expanding federal and local probe into allegations he lied on search warrant applications to gain access to suspected drug homes and that he became too close with his informants. He rented a house to one and allegedly provided bail money to Ms. Gorham. That means he's humping them. He is all over the place with... Uh, with. I mean, this guy is corrupt in every way you've ever heard that a cop can be corrupt. After a Daily News report detailing the allegations, authorities formed a special task force uh, composed of FBI agents and internal affairs officers to investigate. The store owner's allegations of theft and damage to surveillance cameras could implicate, in addition to Kujic, at least 17 other officers and three police supervisors... All in the narcotics field unit. What a shock. The cops engaged in the particular department that has to do with vice crime, that has to do with prohibition, are the most likely cops to be the ones out there robbing convenience uh, store owners and stealing things from people. Hmm. Prohibition has unintended consequences, doesn't it? 800-259-9231 is the number. You can chime in on this or bring up whatever's on your mind. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain. Enough time for your call if you make it right now. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's in here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, they are completely free. Again, freetalklive.com. If you like the show and you want to help support us, you can go to promote.freetalklive.com. Learn how to get Free Talk Live on more radio stations, bring more internet listeners to the program. You can get all the details over at promote.freetalklive.com. Promote.freetalklive.com. So the story here from philly.com about these corrupt cops that have been unearthed by about half a dozen, actually more than a half a dozen store owners of uh, various different convenience store style uh, businesses in the the city of Philadelphia and various different areas of the city, have essentially outed one cop in particular and all of the rest of his buddies on the narcotics squad for coming in, raiding their businesses, destroying their security cameras, stealing cash, stealing food, stealing drinks, and uh, and then arresting them and charging them with uh, with selling drug paraphernalia, which specifically they're referring to little, little baggies, yeah, teeny little Ziploc baggies, essentially that they say are for tobacco. And and who are the the cops to claim that they're anything else? Uh, but they, then they'll then they'll get probation from the judge, and essentially what the the outcome of all this is that these people have uh, their property destroyed and stolen by the police. They have cash stolen from them. They're convicted when they end up going to court, and so they can't say anything to any of it. The money's gone. They can't get it back. It's they've been convicted. It's over. I mean, they can talk to the news media, and, and that's that just what goes been doing. to show how the whole plea um, plea bargaining system that we have, which you know, is just it's criminal. It's it's criminal. Uh, the whole plea bargaining system we have screws everyone. It screws victims. It screws perpetrators. It screws everybody but the state. It is made in order to benefit the state. First off, um, we have way too many crimes out there, so you shouldn't be running as many people through the system as we do. If we got rid of drug crimes, you would uh, the system would be easily able to handle the amount of criminals uh, real that, criminals that, yeah, yeah real criminals that it's dealing with first off 
um, when you have a plea bargaining system, you have people like this who are plea bargaining to having uh, you know pa- drug paraphernalia when they have plastic bags because they're scared. This just goes to show this doesn't have anything to do with get it, catching criminals. It has to do with uh, you know putting people in front of this this uh, heartless, soulless state, scaring the crap out of them, and, and telling them, look, either you have the option of taking this uh, plea bargain for a couple a few months probation, or you can pay tens of thousand dollars to a, an attorney to try to get you out of it, it or you can take our crappy uh, you know, states, uh, uh, d- d- public defender, and then you really are going to yeah. lose. The system is also structured so that in order to get people to plea out, because that's what they want you to do, yes. they essentially make sentences that are much more severe than they would actually be if that's the sentence they intended to impose on people. So I don't know what the, what you're looking at potentially for you know, se- selling distri- bags, selling <laughs> drug paraphernalia, plastic bags, but it could be a few years in prison. Well, I, 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 maybe up to a year. Either way, maybe right, even it's still, it's still significant. Facing. Right, even if it's three to six months. These are business owners we're talking about here. Right, their so, business is under in three to six months. Yeah, um, and also victims. When you have, you know, people obviously real crimes occur, and the victims often feel like, my God, this person didn't get a big enough sentence. Well, you know, that that's the first step is getting rid of this plea bargaining system, then you wouldn't have victims saying that. Mm -hmm. Because now you have the people that committed these crimes able to plea out to a lesser charge and get away with it. The store owners, continuing from Philly.com, typically had thousands of dollars in cash on hand at the time of the raids. The money came from lottery, cigarette, and phone card sales. They also used cash to pay wholesale grocery vendors and store rent or mortgages, they said. Luciano Estevez, 39, and it's they're picking on all immigrants, by the way, here, yeah. I'd point out. Uh, a Dominican who co-owns the JR Mini Market in West Philly was raided in August 2008, said he had about $9,000 in the store, but the property receipt that the police wrote up documented about 800 of that $9,000. Mm, cha-ching. They take that money and don't write it down. They are supposed to be the law, said Estevez. Taking money like that, I don't think that's right. We pay a lot of taxes. Isn't that nice? You get to pay taxes every single month or, you know, every year or whenever the tax bill comes due, and then they take your tax money, they use it to fund the police, and part of the police is the narcotics squad, so your tax money is going to pay the paychecks of the very same men who then come into your business and, smash and, and smash and grab and, 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 and take thousands of, th- of your hard-earned dollars. I... <laughs> And then next year, another tax bill's going to come. I mean, if you manage to stay in business after they nabbed you for $9,000 and put you through the ringer, then then your next tax bill comes, and you don't get to say, ah, no thanks, I'll pass on paying this time around, because your men came and destroyed my livelihood last year. I think I'll withhold this year. Thanks very much. You don't get to do that, because if you don't pay the taxes, then those same men, or maybe some of their other com- uh, compadres in the police department, are going to show up, and they're going to shut you down this time for non-payment of taxes. You know, and, and people can say to themselves, and I am to, to some extent saying this to myself, well, that's Philly. You know, that's, it's Philly, right? Well, yeah, it is Philly. But because it's happening, you know, this it may be happening at a bigger level in Philly because it's a bigger town and, you know, maybe it's more corrupt or whatever story you have about Philly because I have that same story. Well, what was your story Saturday night? The show, the show, the story we led the show with Saturday night was about Tana Hutt 
te- Texas, some right. podunk town out in the middle of nowhere where just as much corruption is well, going my, on. My story is that uh, you know I I move to uh, you know civilized towns. I don't go to you know big corrupt cities or little corrupt towns. I I, I live Find in the middle ground, huh? Right, right. <laughs> but it's still happening in your town. It's just happening yeah. less. You know, uh, a, a police officer instead of taking eight thousand dollar bonuses is taking. Eight hundred dollar bonuses mm-hmm. um, now and then when he can when he can do it and you know cops are dragging in people they shouldn't be dragging in on a regular base on a, you know a less regular basis than they are in these big towns uh, you know it's just happening less it's still unacceptable. Estevez, who came to the U.S. in 1985, is a lot like other store owners who were interviewed by the Daily News. Immigrants who live here legally and have no prior criminal records in Philly. They commonly open their shops just after dawn and close long after dark. Yeah, these guys work. Emilio Vargas, who owns the building that houses the Dominguez or Dominguez grocery store, uh, which was raided back in March of 2007, said, I believed in the American dream, and I still do. I believe that if you work hard, you get ahead. But everything changed after this said Vargas, who came back in 1996 from the Dominican Republic. He said, I never had a drug in my hands. I'd never been in trouble. I used to believe in justice in America, and I don't know now. It makes me question the justice system. And it should. But the sad part is, most people don't question... I've stopped asking myself those questions. Most people don't question the justice system until the brunt of it, the brunt of its insanity and its unfairness, comes down on their heads. Yeah. That's when it, that's that's when the questions start getting asked, and and it's too late at that point. At that point, you've already become a victim. They've already extracted your hard-earned money from you. They've destroyed your livelihood. They've destroyed your family. Whatever it is that they've destroyed about your life, then you're just you're left stunned. You're left reeling. You don't know what to say. You thought that this, this whole time you lived in a, a free country, and then now they can do this to you, and they can get away with it. And they all protect one another instead of yep. instead of uh, doing a real investigation and actually questioning uh, the, the, their own men. They just back each other up. I mean, how frustrating this has to be for these they people. They just insulate themselves. Uh, you know, they, they have themselves as friends. So the judges hang out with judges and lawyers that mm-hmm. kiss their butts and, uh, you know, community leaders and stuff like that. People that just back them up. And they, they never really get to hear that, hey, the average person really does think that the judicial system in America is broken. Well, what's their incentive to change it, too? The people who actually are corrupt and covering for each other, they're not getting caught on a regular basis. Once in a while, one of them will get nabbed, and a lot of times they're just throwing somebody up as a sacrifice so the rest of them can kind of keep their thing going. So true. But what's their incentive to come forward if, by and large, they're getting away with it and they're, they're making money for themselves? During the raid, Vargas said Kujic and fellow squad members confiscated $700 in phone card money that he kept in a cigar box, 1500 in a bag to pay vendors, 200 in the cash register, and 1400 from his pocket to pay the mortgage, totaling $3,800. The police property receipt that the officer filed, however, reports that only $1,456 was seized. He said they opened the fridge doors and took juices, energy drinks. They emptied it. Mm. A judge dismissed all charges against Vargas after ruling that prosecutors failed to present their case in a timely fashion. Rattled by the ordeal, he said he now works in another grocery store far from the original uh, neighborhood he used to work in. He said, I didn't want to go back. It was too much for me. I didn't want anything like that to happen again. Store owners interviewed said they paid hundreds of dollars in bail and legal fees after their arrests. They lost thousands more because, in many cases, their stores were shuttered for periods of days or weeks. 
He said, all my store was messed up, said David Nam, age 62. I found my wallet, my keys thrown on the floor, cigarette boxes all over the floor. I think of this. Can you imagine how this guy felt when he finally did get through the booking process and came back to see his store? You know, he unlocks the door. and Wrecked. You know, it's wrecked. It's wrecked by these people that he's been paying their salaries all along, and they just come in there, and they steal his money like it's okay. They take his money. They take his drinks. They treat him like crap, and, you know, he's got to end up... Pleading to this judge. Apparently, it is okay because they keep getting away with it, and there's not much that we can do about it. This is, and this is how we treat, you know, new people to our country. More coming up tomorrow night. Join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. You ever have one of those days where everything goes right? First, I get the best parking space at work. Tonight, I have a date with a very lovely Rachel. And today, I gave a killer presentation in Sydney, finalized the contract in London, and demoed our new product in Boston. Online, from my desk, with WebEx. WebEx lets me take meetings and give presentations from my desk. I just talk to clients on the phone, and they watch what's happening on my desktop from their desktop. So I can travel the world and still be here for my date tonight with Rachel. Travel less, meet online. Go to WebEx.com and try WebEx free. Just click the radio graphic and enter promo code 600 to get a free trial and a free webcam, too. Remember that code 600 to qualify for the free webcam. WebEx, now part of Cisco and used by more than 5.5 million people every month. Give it a try, free. Go to WebEx.com and enter the promo code 600. W-E-B-E-X.com. Free webcams available while supplies last. Terms and restrictions apply. See website for details.